Hello, friends. You are listening to a series of podcasts based on the Key to Bible Truth lessons that you can find online under keytobibletruth.com. This is a series of podcasts based on 30 lessons that are available to you. These will be a summary of each of the lessons. We invite you to listen to all of the series and then order your free lessons from keytobibletruth.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Key to Bible Truth podcast. In this episode, we will be speaking about common methods that you can use to study your Bible that have been found to be effective. These principles are not meant to restrict your studies to predetermined ways of understanding Scripture, but to give you a starting point from where you may want to begin. First, if the Bible is God's book for the world and meant to contain truths about humanity, we need to consider it as a book meant to be understood by everyone, because it was meant for all of humanity to read. If this was not the case, we would have to arbitrarily decide what parts of the Bible we could hope to understand, and which parts would always be hidden from us. So it's important to approach to study the Bible from an assumption that it can be known and understood by us, no matter who we are. Another thing to be aware of is that everyone will have their own interpretation of the Bible. That is why there are so many religions. For this episode, we'll only be attempting to put forward common ways that you can understand biblical ideas and figures of speech. We will not be trying to put our interpretation into what the Bible is talking about at this time, although we will do this later when explaining our own understanding of what Scripture is talking about. So let's start with three simple things to consider before beginning your Bible study. Rule number one. Let the Bible interpret itself. Like I mentioned previously, we all have our own opinions, biases, and outlooks of the world, religion, and higher powers that we will naturally apply to our interpretations. But we can limit this from happening and let the Bible speak for itself if we are aware of our ideas and biases beforehand. This will be the best way we can hope to understand God's word without immediately being railroaded down an avenue that will end in a warped or skewed view according to our own dispositions. Number two, Use all of the Bible in your interpretation. This may be a questionable rule, as it could be said, how are we to know that all of the Bible is meant to be examined as a single book? This is a legitimate question, but let's think about the effect of this argument to our studies. If we think of the Bible as many unconnected phrases, verses, and books, some of which are the word of God and some are not, then one verse could be considered legitimate while the next would be illegitimate. In effect, there would be no way of deciding which verses we should take as truth and which ones we should consider as false. The result would mean that every person who went to study the Bible would have a personal bag of verses and quotes they had decided were right. In contrast, if the Bible is considered a unified book, you must consider it all and form your belief according to all of the Bible's ideas, both those you will agree with and those you will not. In this way, you will get the most complete picture of God's message and minimize criticisms of leaving out books or verses that are inconvenient to your interpretation. Number three, use the context of the verses. Another method that makes it easy to form a quick opinion about the Bible is taking verses one at a time without considering the context in which they were spoken. This is a common problem in the regular world as well. Words and quotations are taken out of context all the time and twist an interpretation from only a few words. Just think of the massive pushback against fake news and faulty reporting recently. The same principle applies to the Bible. If you take an idea out of context of the verses, chapter, or even an individual book that they are found in, 
they can warp your opinion of an original idea and take you away from a truthful understanding. Now let's talk about some common things that you will find in the Bible to help you when beginning your study. Firstly, the Bible is full of figures of speech, as is almost any great work of literature. The reason for wording things this way is to imbue an idea with the characteristics of something else. For example, let's take Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. This is a common type of metaphor that you will find throughout the Bible. You also find types of similes and allegories that will describe an idea directly compared to another thing. Another common element of literature, mostly in the first four books of the New Testament, is a parable. If you are familiar with any old fairy tales, you will have heard of these types of figures of speech before, especially the ones that end with the saying, and the moral of the story is. Parables are short stories that teach a lesson. An example of a parable you can find in the Bible is one told by Christ in Matthew 13, starting in verse 3. And I'm going to read from a contemporary English version for the sake of simplicity. Then he taught them many things using stories, or parables, and said, A farmer went out to scatter seed in a field. While the farmer was scattering the seed, some of it fell along the road and was eaten by birds. Other seeds fell on thin, rocky ground and quickly started growing because the soil wasn't very deep. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and dried up because they not, did not have enough roots. Some other seeds fell where thorn bushes grew up and choked the plants. But a few seeds did fall on good ground where the plants produced a hundred or sixty or thirty times as much as was scattered. If you have ears, pay attention. Christ then goes on to explain the story later in the chapter to his disciples. If you look down to verses 18 to 23, where he says, Now listen to the meaning of the story about the farmer. The seeds that fell along the road are the people who hear the message about the kingdom, but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the message from their hearts. The seeds that fell on rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it right away, but they don't have roots and they don't last very long. As soon as life gets hard or the message gets them in trouble, they give up. The seeds that fell among the thorn bushes are also people who hear the message, but they start worrying about the needs of this life and are fooled by the desire to get rich. So the message gets choked out and they never produce anything. The seeds that fell on good ground are the people who hear and understand the message. They produce as much as a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was planted. So here we can see that the story Christ was telling was to teach a deeper lesson to his disciples. Christ often used parables to teach lessons to his followers and disciples that seem simple on the surface, but contain meanings that you have to study to figure out. You'll come across parables in other areas of the Bible, but they are mostly attributed to the teachings of Jesus. Another aspect of the Bible that is helpful to know in your study is that much of it is considered to be prophecy. This means that many of the books and chapters within the Bible are not necessarily describing what is happening when it was written, but instead are statements of things that are meant to happen in the future. As Christadelphians, we consider many of these prophecies to have already come true, but others are yet to occur in the future. Often, each religion has a different idea about what parts of the Bible are meant to be prophecy, and also about what the prophecy is referring to. It will be up to you to decide what you consider to be prophecy and whether you think it has happened or not. One last aspect of interpretation that is very common among nearly all religions is symbolic meanings of different things within the Bible. Many different theories attempt to explain what different things like materials, colors, and numbers symbolize within scripture, and believe that figuring these out may uncover a hidden meaning. This may seem like an overcomplication of trying to figure out what the Bible is telling us, but it's actually quite a simple principle. Take the color red, for example. 
Even in our day-to-day activities, red is associated with passionate feelings like love and anger. This is why items like red roses symbolize a feeling of love. You wouldn't be expressing the same idea or the same feeling if you bought someone a bouquet of pink roses. The same idea applies to different things within the Bible. Often things like water are considered to be the word of God, red is representative of sin, etc. As Christadelphians, we consider symbolic meanings to be true across scripture. If you interpret the symbolic meaning of gold in the first book of Genesis, then the meaning should also still fit in the last book of Revelation. We try to follow the rule that we use the whole Bible to come to our conclusions. Hopefully this episode has helped aid your studies. If you'd like to look at some of these principles more completely, feel free to look up keytobibletruth.com. We would like to thank you once again for listening. If you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other podcasts, please log on to keytobibletruth.com. While there, you can download your copies of the free Bible lessons with no obligation. We look forward to hearing from you.